The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to The Views Room. I'm Rob Cox, the editor of Breaking Views, the financial commentary wing of Reuters News, coming to you from Zurich, Switzerland. By now, you've seen all the horrific images coming out of India, which is experiencing the worst surge of COVID-19 infections in the world. While photos of funeral pyres, extraordinary crowds, and poverty are standard tropes for India, this time is quite different. India's toll from the coronavirus surged past 200,000 on Wednesday, the country's deadliest day as shortages of oxygen, medical supplies, and hospital staff compounded a record number of new infections. The second wave of infections has seen at least 300,000 people test positive each day for the past week, overwhelming healthcare facilities and crematoriums and fueling an increasingly urgent international response. The last 24 hours brought 360,000 new cases for the world's largest single day total, taking India's tally of infections to nearly 18 million. It was also the deadliest day so far with 3,293 fatalities carrying the toll to over 200,000 in India. I spoke to Yuna Galani, our intrepid India editor in Mumbai, about this situation. Give a listen. Yuna Galani, give us a view about what's going on in Mumbai. Just to start, we are seeing images almost hourly coming out of India that show horrific funeral pyres, talk of, of incredible uh, devastation uh, by this pandemic throughout India. What's your perspective? Or I guess before that, how are you doing? Well, thanks, Rob. Um, thanks for asking. I mean, yeah, like it's it's no exaggeration to say this is a sort of a tragedy that is hitting everyone. It's really personal now. You know, I have friends in four different states all down with COVID. Um, our office manager is sending us a message every day, every single person in the bureau every day to check if they are OK. Uh, we've had colleagues scrambling to get you know, quite young relatives in various cities, uh, hospital beds. It's it's actually it's, it's just really heartbreaking. And, you know, there's a lot of sleepless nights um, and we're in lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how bad is it? You, you see, I mean, when you look out the window from your place in Mumbai, are you talk? Are you seeing, you know, black skies with the smoke of bodies burning? I mean, this this is literally, as you've seen in the in the Western press, uh, how it's being uh, pictured. Yeah, I mean, you know, so, I mean, India definitely has a viral problem at the moment. I mean, we're accounting for something like 40 percent of global reported infections right now. And some positivity, like test positivity rates are coming back as high in some places. But it's also sort of, you know, Delhi is very much a window. India looks the world looks at India through Delhi in many ways. But what is happening in Delhi is not necessarily being replicated in uh, every single state. So, for example, in Mumbai, where I am, we did have a rush on hospitals a couple of weeks ago. We're a bit we're slightly a week or two ahead of the curve in Delhi. I think some people are hoping that cases net here have peaked. Certainly reported infections are falling quite dramatically as people have been locked up at home for a little bit longer. And we didn't have an oxygen crisis here in the same way that they did in Delhi. In Delhi, they had really just a fundamental problem that they don't really have a good in-state oxygen supply. And so the oxygen is just in the wrong places. And, you know, that capacity tragically wasn't built in the sort of in the months, uh, in the four or five months of freedom and, you know, relative normality that all of us had since the last peak in uh, October. You know, we, we right. were all been out doing things. There was a genuine ebb in the crisis. So I really feel convinced that India has been hit 
hit hard because we have a new strain going around. But also what you're pointing out is a certain amount of complacency that occurred. I mean, it was interesting. I remember you and I spoke early on in the crisis. And, you know, you think of the, the just the sheer density of population, 1.4 billion people, a lot of poor people, slums. And yet we didn't quite see that the, those huge spikes in infections that we might have thought um, would have been uh, would have been right for India. But we are seeing it now. I'm just wondering, you, you mentioned so in New Delhi doesn't have the oxygen capabilities. They've had to airlift in oxygen through the Indian Air Force, which is quite ironic. But uh, India is also the home of the Serum Institute. It is the largest, I believe, the world's largest producer of vaccines. Where, how uh, do you see the government's role in this whole thing, and in, in either in preventing it or in in putting jabs into people and, and trying to mitigate this disaster? Is it is it failing? Well, it's, I mean, there's two slightly different topics there. I mean, on the sort of a, the government role, uh, it's interesting because in India, health is a state subject. So immediate anger is often directed at the actual state. And sometimes some states are better organized than others. I think the problems that we're seeing in Delhi are probably and could be worse in states like Uttar Pradesh, which is like neighboring to Delhi, like one of the India's most populous state, a population like equivalent to the size of Brazil. But, you know, like so... Beyond the state level, though, I definitely think that certainly amongst the sort of uh, well-heeled middle class and richer sort of people who are not the masses in India, not, you know, they don't move the vote needle that much. But sentiment is definitely turning a little bit. People are quite frustrated that uh, the government continued their huge uh, rallies, uh, political rallies. They've got some huge, um, important elections in West Bengal that are ongoing. They allowed big religious gatherings to continue. The Kamela, uh, thousands of uh, devotees were coming to congregate and bathe themselves in the Ganges, um, as they do. And, but, you know, so I think people have been quite frustrated with the response in that sense. I mean, the the reaction, though, the consequence of that means that uh, now the government is acting to sort of, you know, when it's back against the wall, India always finally takes some some action. And so, you know, we they've basically now said from May the 1st, you're going to have just in a couple of days time, you're going to have vaccine. Uh, everyone will, over the age of 18 will be, ava- uh, be able to take a vaccine until now. It's been only for the over 45s. And on the vaccine rate, actually, like obviously on a national level, India isn't doing that well. We've only had 9% of the population has had one dose. 2% maybe have had uh, fully vaccinated. Uh, But to put that into perspective, you know, India, yes, it does have the world's largest vaccine provider. But on a vaccine vaccination rate, we're not that far behind places like Hong Kong. We're way ahead of Japan. Um, and, you know, in Mumbai, when I take the state I'm in, you know, we've had 19 percent of the population have had their first dose. So, you know, it's a bit of a mixed picture around. But I think what we're going to see, the sort of the ugly headlines we're going to see in the coming weeks is that until now, vaccine procurement had been quite centralized. And now the government has sort of broken up that and said, OK, uh, we'll get, we'll take half of the capacity that we have in India and the rest of you can sort of states, uh, you can procure your own. Um, so we're going to see states like really fighting it out in probably quite an ugly way to get, to get vaccines. That's not going to be a very, uh, a very nice look. No, no, indeed. Where, where, what about Prime Minister Modi? I mean, where, where, what is the view 
of his role. I mean, if you look at the way Donald Trump was treated or, or viewed as having sort of bungled the, the initial response to coronavirus, it ultimately uh, paved the way for his, his, his failure in the election. Uh, Jair Bolsonaro in, in Brazil is sort of almost a global pariah at the moment. Um, Modi was sort of is the sort of I wouldn't call him a strong man, but he's, you know, he certainly has despotic elements to his the way he runs the country um, are. Is that beginning to suffer or crumble in some way? His his standing. You know, I have not spoken to a single person who thinks that, you know, if there was an election today, a national election today, uh, almost everyone I, I've spoken to thinks that he would win hands down. Um, that's partly because we just have such a weak opposition in this country as well. Um, and it's also not clear that the frustrations of the sort of like voices you might hear uh, travel internationally and, you know, in certain circles in India, that they are necessarily shared by the masses who may never have had great access to health infrastructure in the first place. You know, that's right. the reality here. Like India has never had good health infrastructure. Could they have prepared better? Yes. Um, would they could any amount of preparation, you know, insulated India from the full horrors of what's happening now? Unclear, um, because we you know, started from such a weak, weak base. But I mean, I think like I, I definitely think his uh, standing is a, is a little bit dented. But, you know, politically, whether it, it's hard to see that that would come through. We do have an important test of this of sorts in a few days time. We should get results from the West Bengal elections where he's been rallying. Um, but, you know, those are also still a bit of a backlag. And, you know, actually last year, after the migrant crisis, you know, there was this huge exodus of um, migrants from big cities to their villages across India when the first lockdown happened in the pandemic. And, you know, after that, he still won. He still did very well in, a, in states that are sort of where migrant strongholds. So, you know, it's really hard to tell. Um, I think primarily this is a human tragedy at the moment. It's not really a political problem. Well, you point out that they have they were still holding political rallies, large ones, the BJP, his party in West Bengal and other places. Uh, you have a health minister who I believe has offered some pretty crazy remedies, uh, homeopathic ones. Did, did one of them involve some sort of animal urine? But what is I mean, what do you think? I mean, is the has this government is that, are they to blame to some degree for uh, the crisis becoming so much worse this far down the road, given all of the warning signs that they could have had from the way it, it might, you know, the, the way things progressed in Brazil and other sort of emerging markets or developing nations? I think you hit the nail on the head. It's not that dissimilar to what happened in the U.S. with, you know, Trump going out and having his rallies uh, while a pandemic was raging. Um I think now that has stopped to some extent now here in India. Um, and I think uh, a large measure of like how people respond politically to this may also be dependent on the economic response. Because don't forget, in India, when you have lockdowns and you have a crisis like this, there aren't any generous handouts that are coming from the government. So, you know, a lot of people are just left to left to cope on their own without any financial support. And, you know, the government this time last year wasn't very generous. Uh, I mean, or it was quite conservative in the amount of money it spent. I think it spent about 3% of GDP. 
and 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 not that much on direct handouts. Um, and this time they've got you know they're back against the wall because they've already spent some and they are on the sort of cusp of uh, investment grade, sort of you know they are investment grade hanging on, but you know they don't want to be downgraded. But you have this situation where people burn through their savings in the first round of this pandemic and this long national yeah. lockdown. This time, governments are being more conscious and they're having more state by state lockdowns and people are locking down at different times. And that's partly because they are concerned of the impact on the large uh, workforce that isn't really in a, in a formal sort of professional type. And um, and so I think that how all of that plays out is going to be pretty key um it's very hard to tell at the moment i was i mean i think for me like i know that for emerging market investors are still very bullish on india they've only just started selling the equities after a six month kind of like really solid run um evaluations are really like at all times high so there's a huge disconnect between what's happening in the markets and what's happening in real life but you know as somebody who lives here and is watching the pain sort of trickle down it's hard to see that at some point that absolutely massive squeeze on the consumption power of the masses in India is not going to filter back into the, you know, the company, the big companies and things like that everybody is excited about when you think about India as a kind of a growth story. Yeah. I mean, well, this is the problem. It's the poor countries don't have quite the same resources to deal with these issues. And then the, the I guess the bigger problem for the world is, as you alluded to early in our conversation, there is this question of a new strain that's coming out of India or that is prevalent in India. I mean, it, 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 it get, I guess the fundamental lesson is, is nobody's safe until everybody is pretty much safe. Yeah. And I think when you look at some of, you know, I think and India suffered from exactly this problem. There are lots of countries in the world now, rich countries. We talk about Japan, Australia, Hong Kong. You know, they just haven't got that far in their vaccine rollout. And some are behind India, some are slightly ahead, and they're just, you know, they, they, there's no crisis, so there's no urgency. And I think that the lesson to every the world right now is that no country can really protect themselves truly from this viral strain without hermetically sealing their borders, and very few countries have even tried to do that. And so I think that this, uh, unfortunately, this this viral this variant is coming, and. People need to get their skates on and get vaccinated. And at least, I mean, India is in a terrible position at the moment. Uh, you know, I think we're vaccinating 3 million people a day to get to a daily rate of 1% of the population a day, which is where the situation, I think, started to turn for the U.S. for the better. You would need, we'd need to quadruple the vaccination rate. Um, it's doable. You know, in the next month or two, will tell us whether we can get there. But you know, for other countries, and when I look at the, across the other emerging markets of developing countries, I really worry. Countries like Indonesia, uh, countries like Thailand, you know, the list goes on. They don't have the world's largest vaccine maker in their shores. And a mm -hmm. lot of you know, emerging market investors I speak to, they just sort of assume these vaccines are going to drop from the sky, <laughs> delivered by storks or something. And I just, you know, for me, that's really baffling because definitely we're pinning our hopes on uh, like uh, antibodies because of so many people have been infected and an accelerated vaccine rollout to get us out of this crisis. Yeah. Well, thank you, Yuna. Stay safe and healthy in Mumbai. And uh, hopefully I'll see you there soon. But it won't be very soon, it sounds like. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. 
That's our show for this week. Thanks to our producer, Freddie Joyner in New York. Our final thanks go to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange, on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you go to get high-quality podcasts. And check us out every day at breakingviews.com. Thank you.